as you find your seats. I was trying to figure out the front table. You know, it's, it's unusual today. Uh, again, it's brought in every week, and it's St. Augustine grass. For those of you who were here last week, it took me a minute to realize that uh, what a great thought. I mean, last week I talked about, uh, in the introduction of bearing the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about the fact that our lives a lot of times are like St. Augustine grass that need to be nurtured and watered uh, so that we don't grow the weeds of the flesh. So how cool is that, you know? I'm saying, like, who put grass on top of the table, you know? That's how smart I am. But anyway, hey, will you join me in prayer? Because what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about God's love. Uh, we're going to talk about the first fruit of the Spirit, love. Do you know how it is to start something knowing you won't succeed? It's a hard thing, isn't it? I mean, how in the world can I talk about God's love and, and nail it, right? I mean, how, how can I put my arms around something that you, it's infinite, something that's eternal, Something that's so amazing, so love-changing, or life-changing that, uh, man, oh, man. So I'm going to pray, and if you don't think that I'm up here with my knees knocking, because I'm going to talk about God's love that's changed my life, trying to describe that, you're crazy. So will you join me, and let's pray together, please. Oh, Father God, we just sang that you would send down your word, that we would be eager to hear it. Because God, as we receive from you your word and it reveals your love for us, God, it's such an amazing, life-changing, life-giving, world-changing love. And God, the reality is, is that you do want to change the world through your love and, and you've chosen for some mysterious way and reason for for us to be the ones who carry your love. God, we can't carry what we don't possess. And the reality is, is we're so broken that we leak all over the place. How can we carry it? So God, we ask that your love would come with such power and it would mend us and it, it, would, it would fill us afresh. And, and God, that you would cause us to walk out of here so overwhelmed that we will carry your love and it'll just pour out. So God, only you could do that. Would you show us Jesus because he is love? God, anything that I say that is wrong or my opinion, may it fall away and be forgotten, but anything that's true contains the good news of Jesus, would you use that to show us our Savior who is love? It's in his name we pray. Amen. I had a friend of mine uh, send a member of the church send a picture. He was riding the metro in Washington, D.C., and as he's riding the metro, uh, he noticed one of the signs around them. You probably, if you've been on a subway, you know that's a place to advertise, and, and maybe it's typically it's about an education you could receive or a toothpaste that you should use or uh, something of the like. But he sent me this one, and it was a really interesting uh, little advertising. It said this, it says, you don't need God to hope, to care, to love, or to live. Isn't it interesting that someone is so passionate about that message that they want the whole world to know, they'll pay for it, plaster it on public transportation that will basically say this truth, which is not a truth, it's a complete lie, that you don't need God. You don't need him to hope. You don't need them to care. You don't need them to love. 
and you don't need them to live. Well, according to Jesus, that is just flat out wrong. I mean, Jesus says that uh, if we aren't connected to God, as a matter of fact, Jesus says it even more clearly. Jesus says, if we're not connected to God the Father through God the Son, Jesus, that we can do nothing. And again, there's a lot of things that non-believers can do. I mean, they certainly have a sense of love and hope and, and care in life. But according to God's definition and in God's eyes, unless we are like connected to Jesus, we are abiding in Jesus, kind of like a, a Lego piece, you know, like, like snapped in to a relationship with Jesus by God's grace through faith, we can't produce hope. We can't produce Love. We can't really live. You see, we believe that Scripture teaches us and that our lives have experienced of this amazing transformation that comes when we are connected to Jesus. I mean, what a transformation. Scripture describes it this way. We've gone from spiritual death to life. We've gone from darkness to light. Uh, We've gone from having no relationship with God to having this abundant relationship with him. Well, God loves us in a certain way. Listen, God's love for us always has a purpose. It has an amazing purpose. It pulls us into his family. But God loves us so much, he wants that love to change us, to transform us. And not just from life to death, but to transform us to be more like Jesus, the ultimate picture of love. So that's God's goal for us, is this transformational connection to Jesus, so we experience the Father's love. But it's also more than that. It's so we could produce fruit, fruit of this relationship, so the fruit of the Spirit will be seen in our lives. And when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, it's all these things that are supposed to be manifested in our lives because we got this Lego attachment snapped into Jesus that's given us new life. And now our life should be producing, it's really, it's really divine fruit. I mean, it's, it's really just signs that God is with us and God loves us and God is filling us. It's always been God's desire to fill the whole earth with his glory. Another way to say that is this. It's always been God's desire to fill the whole earth with his love. And we sang it. You know how he wants to do it? He wants to fill you. He wants to fill me. He wants to so pour out his love in our hearts, Romans 5, 5, that we are overflowing, that this whole world is filled with his love through us. I don't understand why he chose us to be the ones who carry it. I don't understand. It seems like there might have been an easier way to God fill the earth with his love. But for his grand design, it's for you and for me to do it. But we can't give what we don't have. So we got to really understand what is this love that God has for us. As we look at the uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, we see that love is the very first one. Now, it's not just the first one in order. It's really, to be honest with you, love is the first one in importance. Because if you look at Colossians 3, verses 14, here's what Paul says. He says, above everything else, all this religious stuff and all this stuff about, you know, the flesh and the Spirit, above everything else, put on love. We just sang about it. Above all else. I mean, it goes on to say this. It says that love, the love of God, is what holds everything together. So this love, this transformation of love is like glue. Uh, it's supposed to be first of importance. It's also be, it's to be what God uses to hold everything together. As a matter of fact, Galatians 5, 6, we're going to look at this in a few minutes. It says basically this, that religion without love 
It's useless. That it's not about if you're circumcised, not circumcised, baptized, in which way you were baptized. It's not about religion. It says this. It's all about the only thing that counts. Listen to what God says. The only thing that counts is faith in Jesus manifesting itself, working it out in love. As a matter of fact, when Paul is writing about God's love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, you know what? You could, you could give all, away all your money. Um, you could sacrifice your, your body to be burned. Uh, you could can, you can tell uh, and teach about Jesus. You could be an amazing religious, an amazing moral, an amazing good citizen. But without love, nothing. Nothing. You're nothing. So, man, how important is this? I want you to look at it this way. I mean, love is kind of like the prism. If we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit, love is like a prism that we're going to see. It's going to refract and we'll be able to see all the other fruits of the Spirit. So if you don't get love, you're not going to be able to properly understand joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because really, love is the prism in which we see all things. What do you love? I love my wife, Katie. Man, do I love my four kids. I I love my golden retrievers, both of them, one more than the other. I love pizza. I love pizza with chicken wings and blue cheese, lots and lots of blue cheese. I love upstate New York. I love books. I love good movies. I just saw another good one, Sarah's Key. It's playing over Winter Park. It's kind of a Holocaust kind of story. It's a really good movie. I love good movies. I love classic rock music. Who doesn't? It's the best. It's awesome. But isn't it amazing? I just said I love, and what I love was everything from blue cheese to my wife. I mean, we have this one word love, and it kind of is supposed to like cover everything, you know? And you say, well, what in the world does it mean to say I love God? What does it mean to say I love you? What does it mean to say I love blue cheese? Well, the Greek uh, language does a little bit better than the English language when it comes to love. They have a couple of different words that will describe what love is. They have a word stergo. Uh, Sturgo is, is, is a, uh, a tender feelings that a parent has for a child. You know, parents, you know that feeling, that love that was born when your child was born that you didn't know you had? It can also be used for a child's feelings for its, its parents. And so they had, a, they had a, a family kind of love. They also had the word uh, eros. Eros. What kind of love do you think eros is? It's a passionate love. It's a, uh, it's, it's a desire. It's, it maybe you can, can see it as a bit of a romantic love. It's where we get the word erotic. Interesting, never once used in the New Testament. Filio. Filio is like uh, brotherly love. It's a love for a friend, a, kin, a, a, a deep, loving friendship. It's uh, where we get the word Philadelphia. Uh, a city of brotherly love. We'll talk about a, a misnamed city, right? So just a little joke there, just kidding. But filio, it's like, it's like a family love. It's a chum. You know, I, I had lunch with uh, David Outing and Thomas Brown, uh, two pastors on Friday. Man, there's a lot of filio, just fa- uh, friend love uh, in that room. But there's another love that's really almost only a Bible love. It's a, it's a word that we don't see from Homer and a lot of other uh, writers of the Greek. It almost emerges out of God, the Bible. And you probably have heard it if you've been around Christians. Some churches even call themselves that. It's agape love. Agape love. And if you look in your bulletin, I'm going to define it for you. Um, 
and I gotta give you a little warning. That's not, that's my definition. It's looking at all the other definitions and kind of trying to say to my beloved flock here, what is agape love? And what it's this, it's agape love is a divine love poured into our hearts from God that causes us to selflessly give and serve God and others. Agape love is a divine love that's poured into our hearts that's going to manifest itself in a way unlike any other love. It's the only love that's not selfish. It's selfless. And it's a selfless love that's going to cause you to want to, to want to serve God and give to him, to want to serve and give to your brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we talk about this this week, we talk about love. We want to distinguish it between I love blue cheese and I love my golden retrievers, but I love God, and God is calling us to this agape love, okay? So how do we cultivate the fruit of love? We're going to see three things. Again, you can follow along in your bulletin. I also found out in our community group, on the back of your bulletin, you'll find community group questions uh, for those of you who didn't know that they were there. But let's stay in the front of the bulletin, in the middle of the bulletin, You'll see three things of cultivating love. We need to abide in love. We need to walk in love. And we need to be compelled in love. The first one is this. Abide in love. John 15, 9. Um, I'm realizing that uh, I haven't read to you guys. So let's read John 15. Let me start off by reading Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Um, I'm going to start there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This fruit that we're trying to, to produce Love, the first one, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Now let's skip over to John chapter 15. I'm going to pick up in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. It's not, a, it's not Jesus is not saying, hey, it'd be good for you to abide in my love. This is a command. The, the language here is a command. Jesus is saying, remain, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No, one, uh, uh, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask in the, the name and ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you may love one another. Jesus says, "You got to abide in my love. You got to stay like that Lego piece connected to me." The only way you're going to have this agape love, the only way you're going to understand my love for you, and the only way you're going to ever going to be able to love others is you've got to remain and stay connected with me. Why? We've got to be, abide in God's love so we can love as Jesus loved. Did you hear what he said? It's amazing. Jesus says, I've commanded you to love as I have loved you. And again, if... if, if 
God commands us to love one another as he's loved us, remember, you can't give what you don't have. And so this is clearly just for those of us, by God's grace, that have experienced this love, that know this love. So uh, if it's just true religion that you're trying to get these, you're not going to get it. The only way you could give this kind of love, the only way we could love one another the way God loves us is if we've been loved by God. It kind of makes sense, right? So you can't give what you don't have. But did you see the, cha- the divine chain in John 15 as I read it? I mean, it was an amazing divine chain because this is what Jesus says. As the Father has loved the Son, Jesus uh, has loved us. Uh, first of all, it starts with the Father. The Father has this amazing, selfless, giving, life-changing love, eternal, impactful love, perfect love. He has on the only begotten Son, the perfect Son. And so listen, 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 don't don't miss this. This may sound religious and, and wordy, but listen, this is amazing what he's saying. He says, as the Father has loved me and I am the obedient Son... Uh, I am the only begotten son. I am the eternal son. As the father has perfectly loved me, not only for my character, but for my actions, that, that perfection, I'm going to love you. Okay? And so, so many times you feel like I'm not lovable and, and, and I've so messed up. And, and how can God love a wretch like me? And he could love a wretch like you and like me because he loves us the way the father loves the son. The perfect one. And so that, 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 talk about a lavish love. Talk about a life-changing love. It's amazing. The way the Father has loved the Son, so has Jesus loved us. How much did the Father love? He so loved, he gave. See, it's a giving love. John three sixteen. God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. As Jesus loved us, so we ought to love one another. John fifteen twelve says, well, how has Jesus loved us? He so loved us that he gave his life. How amazing that he gave his life for us to have life. It's a sacrificing love. Okay, so let's make sure we get this right. Okay, we got to abide in him. Why? Because he says we got to love like he loves. How does he love? He loves in a way that gives. It initiates. It's selfless. He loves in a way that's sacrificing. He even gives his own life. So we see this divine love. We see the way the father loves the son. We see the way the son loves us. But we also see the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit has poured love into our hearts, so should we pour out God's love on God and others. If you have your Bibles, look at Romans 5.5. The end of Romans 5.5. It's amazing. It says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts. I mean, just, just picture this amazing, eternal, abundant love just being poured into our broken, dry, brittle hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Talk about divine love. Only when you're filled with the greatest love, this agape love, will you be compelled to pour it out for others. Do you get that? Do you know how desperately we want love? Do you want to know how desperately we want to be filled? I mean, isn't that what we do as, as broken people? We long to be loved. And, and I tell you, unless we get this divine love, it's just the love the world has to offer is just going to tear us apart. It's just going to create bigger holes. And, and we can never give. We can never love one another or God well because it's, it's still about us. We, just, we, we haven't been able to be quenched to the core. God says, I want to give you a loving, living water. I want to fill you up. I understand 
why the world looks for love in all the wrong places. I mean, they're broken. Of course they do. They want to be filled. And they think they could find it in Eros. They think they could find it in Philio. They think they can find it in Stergo. They think they can find it in a family or friend or whatever or a sexual relationship. You can only find it in God. But the question it is for us here, for those of us who know him, how in the world can we put our lips on what the world says is the funnel for love? How can we put our, our hope and what the world has to offer? It will always leave us wanting. So, so Orangewood, the call for us is to drink deeply, deeply from God's amazing, gracious, life-changing love. Turn to him. See how much he loves you. He loves you perfectly in Christ Jesus. Drink deeply so that you are able to be poured out and poured back to God and others. I think the reality is, is, is as a staff, as we were wrestling this, why don't we do this? Why, why don't we love one another as Jesus has commanded us to love? Why don't we love God that way? And I think the reality that we're wrestling is because we're so broken, we still are so longing to be filled, and we still have the propensity to go and try to find that longing in all the wrong places. Have you looked to Jesus? He is the perfect lover of your souls. That's where we need to go. Again, it's always been God's will to fill the earth with his love and his glory. He pours it into us so we can pour it into the world. And listen, you need, to, you need God to live and to love as God intended. That's wrong. There's no way that you could live and love as God intended unless he's been filling you. Faith working through love is all that matters. You know what? Here's what was happening in the church in Galatia. Uh, they started with Jesus and then he started to work for it. They wanted to uh, uh, get God's love the old-fashioned way. They wanted to earn it. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to earn it. You know the commercial, don't you? You don't think I've just lost it, have you? All right. They started with Jesus, and all of a sudden they said, no, let, let, let's, let's, let's follow Moses, and let's be circumcised, and let's follow the law, and let's try to earn and, and God's love, and God's going to love us. Oh, we be do-gooders, and God is going to love us, and if we do the right thing, and oh man, is God going to love us, so let's be really religious. Let, let's, let's really let the world see how religious we are. And Paul says, you crazy? I mean, Jesus has given you this unbelievable love that's changed your life. It's set you free. And now the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is not about religion. The only thing that matters is faith through love. Galatians 5, 6. It's the only thing. Abide in me. Without it, you're nothing. Then he says this, walk in love. Walk in God's love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Let's turn to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Why? Walk in love, be imitators of God, so we can live as Jesus lived. Now, I'm not crazy about those bracelets. I saw one just recently. What would Jesus do? It's a good bracelet. I would say it's a great bracelet because we're not just trying to follow Jesus to earn God's love. I'm not saying the bracelet's trying to do that. I think the more the question is, what has Jesus done on the cross for us? What has Jesus accomplished? And because of that, we respond. But he does say this, be imitators of God. You can't imitate what you don't know, right? 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says that we are to be becoming more and more conformed to the image of God. That the Holy Spirit working in our lives should make us more and more like Jesus. What was Jesus like? 
I bet he freaked people out when he said things like he said in Matthew or Mark 10, verse 45. When the people were hoping for a Messiah and hoping for a king that would come and, and kick Rome out of power and do all the amazing things and be this strong warrior and uh, be this just glorious king, Jesus says this in Mark 10, 45. He said, the Son of Man, one of his favorite titles, God in flesh, the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He's God. How do you not come to be served? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but I came to serve. I came to serve and I came to give. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give my life for many, for all of my children. If we are to be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, that is the picture that we have to live, to serve, and to give. That's agape love. Why? Because Jesus washed our feet. Why? Because Jesus' blood washed away our sins. Why? Because he came and gave his life and life abundantly. And we are to be imitators of him. We're to be the world's picture of Jesus. Doesn't that just amaze you that God wants us, the church, to be the picture of Jesus? He wants us to show the whole world what he's like. Hey, I want to know about Jesus. Rub up against Christians in love with him. Rub up against a church on fire for him. You want to see Jesus? He's supposed to be seen through us. And how are we supposed to do it? It's the way we love one another. It's the way we love God. It's the way we serve one another. It's the way we give to God and to one another. That means walk in him. Walk in love means to live and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And lastly, be compelled by God's love. 2 Corinthians 5.14 tells us that may the love of Christ compel us. Be compelled by God's love so we can give as Jesus gave. What does that mean? Jesus gave, he gave graciously, without looking for anything in return. Jesus gave, not trying to earn, but just to love. He lavished it upon us in the Father um, through Christ. He just gives us this amazing love, greater love. Greater love is no one known than to lay down his life for his friends. Remember, you can't give what you don't have. I'm gonna end with a story. It's a Bible story. It's, uh, you can find it in Luke 7. Um, it's a story of a religious guy named Simon. And Simon, uh, um, he was a Pharisee, which means like he really knew the Bible. Uh, he had the longest prayers. Uh, they had a lot of regulations. Uh, Simon was a professional uh, religious person. And he invited Jesus into his house. And so he invites Jesus over for dinner. And at the time of inviting somebody to dinner, there's some customary things that you would do to invite a guest over. If you want to honor a guest, show respect to a guest, just even the simplest things you wash to have their feet washed. Make sure someone washes their feet. Uh, make sure that you have the right spot at the table. Just take care of a few things of being a good host. And maybe those are different host things for us. You know, we don't have two people come over and we wash their feet. But that was very, very customary in Jesus' day. And believe it or not, somebody uh, called a sinner, a sinful woman, kind of probably the town prostitute, shows up to the dinner party. As a matter of fact, she shows up and she is so in love with Jesus that she can't wait to get to him. As a matter of fact, uh, she kind of makes a public display. (laughs) 
And she's got this alabaster jar, and it's full with perfume, and it's the greatest thing she has. It's, it's, it's what she's earned on her back for a living, and it's all that she has, and she's bringing it to Jesus, and she's seeing before her this religious man standing back and not really, really entering in and, and, and not wanting to get too close and not really loving Jesus much, but she can't help because she's so in love with Jesus that she comes in and she starts weeping at his feet. And she's washing his feet with her tears and she's using her hair and she's trying to clean his feet with her hair. And she's pouring out all that she has out of this alabaster jar, all the perfume that she has. She's pouring it out to Jesus. And Simon, this religious guy, is thinking, man, Jesus doesn't even know who she is. I mean, everybody knows the town harlot. How does Jesus not know the town harlot? If he was some kind of prophet, he'd know it. But Jesus knew who she was because Jesus is going to die for her sins. And Jesus loved her before the time the world began. And Jesus is going to cleanse her. And, And Jesus knows who she is. And so he says to Simon, he says, Simon, let me ask you a question. You got, you got a couple people who have a debt. You know, one pe- person owes a real little bit and another person owes like millions. And both of the people's debts were, were canceled. Who do you think's going to love more? And, and Simon said, well, I guess the one who had a bigger debt. You see, those who are forgiven much love much, Simon. Those, those, those who have this life-changing love, they, they, they can't help but pour out love. Simon, those who come in contact with Jesus and know that God loves them are compelled to love him back. She doesn't have to try to clean herself up. Jesus is going to do it. And Simon's religion just kept him a little bit at arm's length. He didn't want to lose face. I just cringe to think, are we like Simon? Are we like that that sinner because really we are that sinner we really are and and Jesus has come to 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 love us and, and to give and to serve and to pour into us may the life love of Christ compel us listen the reality is is you got to drink deeply you got to drink deeply from God's love you have to Because the only way you're going to be able to get it is if you know it and you've experienced it and you know how it's changed your life. That girl couldn't help it. That sinner couldn't help it. May we be drinking deeply the gospel. (laughs) The ad, you don't need God to hope, to care, to love, to live. In a sense, the world has care. The world has an earthly hope. It's passing away. The world knows how to love to a certain degree. And they're trying to live. But there should be something fundamentally different about those of us who, by God's grace, have tasted the love of God in Christ. And now the fruit of the spirit of love should be manifesting itself in our lives. Oh, how this world needs God's love. God has chosen you and me to carry it. Drink deeply.